Welcome to the Foresight Health Roundup podcast, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Thursday, December 8th. One more week, and then we can uh, coast into the holidays. I'm ready to take my foot off the gas. It's been a very busy year. How about you? On today's episode of The Roundup, we're going to start talking about next year. Okay, I lied. My foot is still on the gas. Sorry. Specifically, we're going to talk about health system diversification in 2023 and health system priorities in 2023. To tell us whether this is real or wishful thinking are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchantson, partner at Transformation Capital. But before we say hello to Dave and Julie, I wanted to say hello to the sponsor of the Foresight Health Roundup podcast, Infor. By connecting the business and mission sides of healthcare, institutions can enhance staff experience and simplify patient interactions. With data-driven insights and greater operational control, our sponsor Infor supports your company in making healthcare a calling again for your staff. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning? Dave? Today is my nephew Derek's 39th birthday. Boy, time sure flies. He's now Jack Benny's age. The fact that I just made that reference shows that I'm not getting any younger. So here's a shout out to Derek Johnson. Have a fantastic birthday. Terry and I will be here in Chicago celebrating with you. Happy birthday. And I did get that reference, Dave. Thanks. Julie, how are you? I'm really proud of I did not get that reference. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Okay. (laughs) You're welcome. And doing well back on the West Coast and feeling the crush of the December review season and the like. Got it. Yeah. Keep them busy. Thank you. Now, before we talk about health system diversification and priorities in the year ahead, let's talk about your workload between now and the end of the year. Dave, are you going to keep up the pace and run a negative split the rest of the year, or are you going to ease up a little uh, on the work? See, I listened to your turkey trot story last week. Yeah, negative splits. It's a great term. I don't know, Dave. I always seem to be going for the negative splits in all aspects of my life. I am, however, looking forward to a quiet holiday season. Uh, That being said, I'll probably have to do some writing if I'm going to make progress on the manuscript for the new book. No rest for the weary. Yeah. Deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. Julie, each week you seem to be calling in from a different city. What's your work travel schedule like between now and the end of the year? I actually think I'm here to stay until we leave for vacation on the 20th. So fingers crossed. Ah, good, good. Home cooking. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to be as busy as possible because work gets me out of any holiday chores heading in my direction. You know, nope, sorry, can't dust the baseboards. I've got a blog post to write. Oh my God, is that how husbands do it? Yeah. Ask the boys. No, no here's, here's the rest. Of it. I'm practicing. <laughs> Ask the boys to do it. They're home from college. Put them to work. See? That's good. That's good. I've got it down. Kids, free labor. Anyways, I'm sure health system CEOs are laboring to come up with new ways to stay in business or expand their business in 2023. McKinsey recently surveyed 76 health system executives on their diversification plans for next year. Here are some of the top line findings. The number one reason for diversifying was to grow and generate additional cash flow. The number one type of diversification was telehealth and remote patient monitoring. 
And the number one way that they're going to diversify was through mergers, acquisitions, and joint ventures. Dave, what's your reaction to the survey findings? Would those be your priorities if you ran a health system? And if you're a consumer, should you be happy or sad? There's an old joke that consultants borrow your watch to tell you what time it is. That's essentially what McKinsey has done here, administered a survey on diversification to health system executives, and then regurgitated back their responses. My reaction to the survey's findings is, and Julie, this is one of your generation's words, meh. Is that now officially a word? Anyway, I do like the way McKinsey segments strategy between the what and the how. Knowing what to do and getting it done are very different tasks. At the same time, this exercise and report feel like the application of old thinking to new problems. So it's fundamentally unsatisfying. Health systems are still primarily focused on revenue generation as the solution to all of the problems that beset them. Despite the nice packaging and the fancy graphics, here's the report in a nutshell. Health system problem, we need more revenues. McKinsey solution, diversify. Hire us and we'll show you how. When it comes to strategy, almost all health system executives have an incremental orientation. They tell themselves, tomorrow will be like today. So we just need to get a little bit better to stay afloat. That's why McKinsey's fancy charts shows that health system's largest chunk of EBITDA distribution in 2025, this is forward-looking, not backward-looking, will fund general acute hospitals. Really? The smallest chunks will fund diagnostics and virtual care, two of the most promising areas for delivery transformation and growth. As we used to say in the 70s, what are they smoking? Dave, you remember the 70s, right? I do. More than anyone, McKinsey knows that tomorrow won't be like today. They recently issued a massive report titled The Gathering Storm. It highlights the macro forces that are reordering the healthcare landscape. Their report stresses the need for speed, productivity improvement, having a growth mindset, and aggressive reallocation of resources. Other than this report's emphasis on growth through diversification, the other themes don't come through here at all. One of my favorite quotes comes from the social theorist Thomas Sowell, and here it is. When you want to help someone else, tell them the truth. When you want to help yourself, tell them what they want to hear. This report definitely falls into the second category. It will help McKinsey more than it will help health systems. So let's move to what I think the strategic priorities for health system executives should be. In that spirit of truth-telling, I'd hammer on the reality that health systems don't have a revenue problem. They have a cost problem. Kaiser Family Foundation is out with a report this month that profiles the three largest for-profit chains, HCA, Tenant, and CHS. They all performed well during COVID and continue to perform well. They aren't bleeding red ink like so many prestigious nonprofit systems. One thing the for-profit chains do best is manage expenses. For most health systems, strategic priorities one through five should be figuring out how to cut operating costs by at least 20%. Use technology, be cutting edge on human machine collaboration. Diversify, if it does help, cut costs and improve service provision. Strive to become an efficient, low-cost, high-quality provider of healthcare services. Do whatever it takes. Dave, your last question asked whether consumers should be happy or sad based on this report's findings. 
they should have their sad faces on as they wonder when health systems will ever get the joke that they're in business to solve consumers' healthcare problems, not to generate revenues for themselves. Make no mistake, McKinsey's right that a gathering storm is coming at healthcare. It will wreak havoc and big change. That change will be more outside in than inside out. Consumers will be a big part of industry transformation as they alter their healthcare purchasing decisions. My fear from reading reports like this one is that the health system executives are like the villagers on the mountain who are still square dancing down below while the avalanche is falling up above. Look out below. <laughs> well, Dave, that answer was anything but meh, which actually is a word. M-E-H, I think. Ask Julie. She'll know. <laughs> All right, Julie. I'm sure you've used meh. And do you have any questions for Dave? <laughs> Well, meh is certainly used enough. It's probably in some dictionary somewhere. So, Dave, you talked a little bit about the what and the how of McKinsey. And McKinsey did offer six execution strategies, none of which put it in as simple a term as you just did. So I'm curious your thoughts on some of these execution strategies. Like, which one would be the biggest bang for the buck for you of what McKinsey recommends? Because they're recommending things like Mergers and acquisitions, building innovation capabilities doesn't sound easy to me. Strategic venture investments. I mean, everybody I know is spinning their strategic venture investment arm out. What do you make of this list? Thanks, Julie. Great question. I'd say M&A should give the biggest bang for the buck. Big emphasis on the word should. Relative to the big commercial payers, health systems are far too small. There's too much duplication and not enough standardization of best practice. My answer, however, assumes that getting bigger also means getting better. Making acquisitions to improve contract negotiating leverage is a non-starter. You really have to get bigger to get better. Co-development with non-health system partners, that would be my other choice. The platforming of healthcare will require multiple new and integrated capabilities that consumers will access through a customer-friendly omni-channel interface. Boy, that's a lot of fancy words, isn't it? Customer-friendly omni-channel interface. But anyway, that's what's happening, like we do in all the other parts of our lives. So finding the right partners and building the seamless platform are essential to serving consumers the way they want to be served. That's all I've got with this admonition to health system executives. Whatever strategic path you choose, make sure that it helps cut costs. Cost-effectiveness of health C-E-O-H is the new sexy. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I do think omni-channel is a word, but it's a made-up word, so uh, <laughs> I'm not big on that one either. Now let's talk about health system priorities in 2023. Thanks to a survey of 61 health system executives by the Center for Connected Medicine and Class Research, here are some of the top-line results. Patient access was the number one challenge that had the greatest opportunity to be improved by digital health technology. The number one way to improve patient access was telehealth, but the number one digital technology that best serves patients are self-scheduling tools. Julie, what's your reaction to the survey findings? Do they match how you would have filled out the survey? And are there any gaps between what health systems want and what the market is trying to sell them? What's interesting is I know a few nonprofit health systems that are sizable that have RFPs on the street for self-scheduling. So this is real. <laughs> and I just want to take a step back and look at what health systems 
really want out of, you know, some of this patient access stuff. And, you know, Dave just said, it's not about revenue. I agree with that, but they want to be in the black again. They want to stop hemorrhaging and seeing the volumes they used to see. And they'd really like to see those volumes come from commercial patients because, you know, we pay the bills, right? And can you blame them? No, but they want to figure out how to meet patients' needs with fewer people on their side, which is this cost-cutting Dave talks about. I mean, people have to be more independent. My husband says to me all the time, let the kids do their own laundry. <laughs> and in health system speak, <laughs> this means... Uh, I'll be saying that too in a few weeks. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> but do your own laundry in health system speak means book their own appointments, register online, pay their own bills, have consumers and prospective patients do everything on their own. This, all of this, is being rolled into what they're calling patient access, as far as I'm concerned. So let's just break down what it takes to do all this. To get more commercial patients to pay the bills, you actually have to know who is a commercial patient and where to find them. And you know what? They're not hanging out on your provider portal. (laughs) Sorry to tell you. They're on Google, (laughs) Facebook, other household online names. And you can only provide more patient access if you find the patients in the first place. So this is something that health systems are desperately trying to figure out because the billboards and the highways aren't getting it done. Then the prospective patients need to be able to tell you enough about what's wrong with them so you can route them to the right provider, whether that's virtual care or urgent care or specialist or hospital or whatever. But that requires those doctors to be willing to share their schedules reliably. And guess what? Most of your bricks and mortar docs are not employed, so they don't want to schedule your patient during their lunch hour or their afternoon golf game. So health systems are turning to telehealth, not just the technology, but solutions because they can rely on a different pool of doctors that they may be renting, but who at least show up as representing that health system. And last but not least, you can't hire enough clinical administrative people today, right? We all know staffing is a problem. so. You know, back to my laundry comment, we have to get people to do stuff on their own. And this is patient access, high revenue, lower cost, happy margins. It really is true. I mean, most people, when they have a symptom, they look it up online. They don't go to their doctor's office or a hospital website. That's a great point. Dave, any questions for Julie? That's because my chart sucks, (laughs) (laughs) which is what most health systems are using to interface with their customers. Go figure. You know, my question will carry on with this theme. I just have a tough time not being cynical when I read the results of these type of priority surveys by health system executives. It's almost 2023, and they're still focused on the miracle of self-scheduling. It should be been there, done that at least 10 years ago, and they're still at it. So since I'm feeling cynical, I'll ask a cynical question. Are you ready? Ready. Here goes. If technology offers the greatest opportunity to improve health access and telemedicine is the best technological tool for improving access, then why are health systems putting the telemedicine genie back in the bottle? Why are they cutting back? Why aren't they diving in? Why aren't they optimizing the tool? Yeah, so, you know, when those consultants go in and do work typically at this level, it's not about the technology, right? It's about the people, the process and the technology. And it was easy to offer telemedicine when you could just plug in Teladoc or Amwell or some kind of blunt tool in an emergency. But when you really have to get your docs 
to sequester time in their schedule for telemedicine or when you have to develop a pool of just telemedicine docs, you're changing like massive parts of your operation. And then God forbid you do what I was just talking about, which is rent a pool of telemedicine docs. You know, Lyle Berkowitz from Northwestern is starting a really interesting business in this space. So shout out to him. But you end up potentially, this is not necessarily what Lyle is doing, but potentially hiring a set of docs that your physicians look at as competitive to them. So it becomes political really quickly and the operational nightmare, never mind what it might take when you've put together 15 different hospital systems over the last 25 years and you haven't integrated, that telemedicine system has to plug into multiple different core systems, unless you've actually spent the $4 billion in Epic. So it's just a challenge everywhere you turn. It's all in the execution. Thanks, Julie. It is an interesting conundrum. You know, I don't like talking to people on the phone when I want to schedule something or buy something, but I want to talk to someone immediately when I have a problem that needs fixing. You know, it's all about me and what I want. And that's how health systems should treat their customers. Thanks, Dave. And thanks, Julie. I'm sure we'll be talking about these topics again in 2023. And and beyond. Now let's briefly talk about what's still happening in 2022. Julie, any news this past week that caught your eye? Well, continuing on my Elizabeth Holmes mentioned last week, I don't know if you saw that yesterday, Sunny Bawani, her ex-boyfriend and former president and COO, was just sentenced to 13 years in prison. So he got more than she did, even though his attorneys tried to blame everything on her. And all I have to say is, they were dating. My girlfriend, come on, you could have done better. <laughs> well, you got an extra year and a half for a bad choice, I guess. Dave, what what other news broke this week that's worth mentioning? Yeah, Sonny was a bad guy. I hope he has some time to think in prison. Well, as you noted in your latest monthly article, which, by the way, was terrific, Dave, Kaiser Family Foundation is out with their latest employer survey on health insurance trends. The big news there is that health insurance premiums for a commercial family plan only went up 1.13% in 2022. Let me say that again, 1.13%. That compares to an average annual rate increase of 6.35% since 1999, and certainly is well below the current 7% inflation rate. So that skinny rate of increase suggests to me that payers aren't going to be riding to the rescue to solve providers' challenges with increasing labor supply and drug costs, no matter how hard they beg for more support. So let me beat the drum again. Cost effectiveness of health, CEOH, it's the new sexy. The bank is closed. Thanks, Dave. And thank you again, Julie. And thanks to our sponsor, Infor. Infor connects the business and mission sides of healthcare, enhancing the staff experience and simplifying patient interactions with data-driven insights and greater operational control. That is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed on today's show, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. And don't forget to tell a friend about the Foresight Health Roundup podcast. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.